All right, everybody, this is the Brokenness to Faith podcast. I am here with myself and with my boy, Noah. And we got a special guest. Well, he's not really special to me, but he's special to you guys. (laughs) He is the main man of a certain podcast. He's going to introduce himself. Yes, I am Mark, Mark's brother, Matthew. (laughs) I am Mark. And Mark's I am brother. Mark and Mark. Noah's friend. That's right. And yeah, my podcast is We Carry the Fire. And uh, you guys have been on mine a bunch. Yeah. And I've been on yours a little bit. Yeah. So thanks for the invite. Let me just first of all say thank you. What an honor. <laughs> what an honor it is. It's the honor of my life. And no thanks to Mike Alejo for even responding to us. Dang. Yeah. So, <laughs> calling him out. Calling him out. He did get on one with us like a year. You weren't on it. It was me. No, and I did. It was just you two. But man, he's elusive. Yeah, that, that guy. All right. So we're going to get into it. This is episode, I don't know, we're in the 60s I think now? like 66, 67. 60s, it's yeah. There. Something like it's that. It's older than we are, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's that's for sure. But it's almost the same age as our guest here, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 67. I have a gray beard. Yeah. So going to get into it. Today we're going to be talking about a year in COVID. I know it's been going on over a year, if you want to be exact. Well, I got three things that I feel like the church... Uh, should have done or didn't do right and then we got four things they did i felt like they did do right they will share also some of their thoughts and we'll just get right into it um the first one i have is something that i felt like the church did not do right now when i say church i'm saying as a whole from what i've seen from what i've heard from friends churches the the church of america Yeah, yeah yeah pretty much um is the first one i have is follow guidelines Mm. i know that sounds silly like you know, because I feel like me as a conservative with libertarian leanings that there is a government overreach. I, I believe that. I believe the pandemic, you can get into conspiracy theories, and I believe some of those things that people have said. But we still have to be a group of people that want to, how do I say this? We want to follow the guidance would be good examples. And in the beginning, they weren't persecuting us, which we'll get into a little bit later. But people, I knew a church in India friend of mine went to and he said they never stopped having service even in the beginning of COVID they never wore masks they never socially distanced and they even brought in a speaker he said for like a week of services and the guy just talked about how COVID's a big hoax you guys you know you guys don't need to listen to the government we follow God's laws and it was just like totally ignorant now I me and Noah talked about the vaccine how you know some of my family's gotten it some of my family hasn't I haven't gotten it I'm not going to get it but to be that ignorant to be like COVID's a hoax when people have died, to be like, you know what, we don't need to mask up or socially distance, we're just going to follow God's law. That just seems awfully dangerous to me to say that, and awfully, awfully uh, ignorant to say that. Um, and my last thought before we'll hit it over to Matt was, um, I just had this picture when I heard that of someone struggling. How many people were struggling in the pandemic who thought, maybe I should try going back to church for the first time in like a million years, or, right. or checking out some videos of the church, or talking to my friend who once mentioned God, maybe I can go to see, check out their church. And they walk into this church where no one's socially distanced, no one's masked, and, and you know they're talking about how COVID is a hoax. And this person, for the first time in their life or in years, is thinking about going back to church, and they see that, and they're probably not going to come back. Now, again, I don't want to wear a mask, but I when I walk into certain restaurants or places, I'll wear it just to be respectful. you know. And if I'm in church for a while, our leaders say, hey, just wear a mask to be respectful. And you know what? I think there are people who come and really liked how we ran our church during the pandemic when services were allowed to be open. But some people walked into other churches 
probably wanted nothing to do with it just based off totally how they ran their church. Right. Well, and to your point, uh, we do have conflicting values in terms of our heavenly citizenship and our American citizenship. As Americans with conservative leanings, we say, how dare the government say what I put on my face? How dare they say church is uh, non-essential? How dare they say we can't meet to worship? Uh, And that's our American independence speaking, which is a high value. But we do have a higher value, which is the kingdom of heaven. And the the kingdom of heaven uh, teaches us to uh, be good citizens. And sometimes those, those values conflict where we say, I want to be a good American and stand up for freedom. Right. I want to be a good Christian and represent Christ. So there's got to be a balance there. You know, you don't want to just forfeit and fall into a trap of, of losing freedoms that you'll never get back. But you also want to be respectful of government as long as you possibly can mm-hmm. until it comes to the very last straw where you just say, I cannot. And for some people, it was when they said you can't sing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, some people, you know, when they say yeah, no singing, right. that was that um, was pretty. Dumb. That that's that's pretty far. <laughs> but we really should give every benefit of the doubt as far as we can. And I know we lost some people at church who said, uh, "Oh, well, you're going to listen to the government," or and we gained some people for that very yeah, reason, yeah. you know. Um, but the heart to worship God and reflect His glory above all sometimes does conflict with our American ideals, and that's a tough situation to be in. Yeah. And, the, and before you go now, my quick thought was, I just saw in the news, the guy from Australia, the Hillsong Church, the, like the head guy, he said they were going to start implementing rules in Australia that they weren't even going to be allowed to be, be singing over the live stream. Like, you're in a closed building wow. with a few, with their church, right. a huge stage where they're probably 15 feet right. away from it, probably just their normal service anyways, how big their church is, and they were going to be recording that stuff, and their government saying... No, and that's when he said, hey, we've complied with you guys, but this is something we're going to prayerfully think about and we might not follow. Right, right. And that's the point where, like, no one's in the building except for the few tech and the same. And that's where I'd say, okay, you've drawn the line there. I'm glad it's gotten to that point where you're going to do it there. Yeah, Yeah. there's got to be a line. Where that is is a very tricky place, and the utmost respect uh, and care should be given in finding that line. Mm -hmm. But it's a tricky situation. What do you think, Noah? Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that it's kind of hard to find that balance because obviously scripture talks about following what your government leaders say because it says that they were put there by God. But at the same time, if if something the government says contradicts the Bible or our duty as Christians, then we are in a sense obligated to not follow that and follow the word of God. And so it is kind of a tricky question. And so I, I think at the end of the day, though, what, what it comes down to is it is about our image as Christians. And, and I use that word carefully because I know image can mean like superficial and things like that. But, you know, the the world does look at us as Christians and they do determine their willingness to come to church based off of our image and how we present ourselves and present the word uh, conversely. Mm-hmm. And so if we're a church that is blatantly disobeying what the law says and doing the exact opposite of what they, what the guidelines say, people look at that as disrespectful or, you know, ignorant or whatever. But if we're making an effort to follow guidelines, making an effort to, you know, make peace with the law, even if it maybe walks the line of whether or not it's okay, if it's not clear cut, you know, but if we're willing to at least follow it, the world looks at it and says, okay, these are people who can, you know, adapt. These are people who can change. These are people who can listen, people who can be, you know, 
can be willing to subject themselves to these rules even if they don't like it. And that goes a long way for people who are not believers. And so I think that, you know, yeah, a lot of churches did not do a good job of taking these guidelines, but some did. And I think it, it comes down to how we present ourselves to the world. When you, you, you know. see people who are unbelievers, I see it on social media time time time. All these churches crying, they're being babies, this and that. <laughs> and if we were following the rules, maybe we would gain their respect and maybe even reach them. Right. Now right. the next one I had was uh, in something that I felt like the church didn't do well or didn't do right um, during the pandemic is the church created separation. What I mean by that is like Matt mentioned earlier, we had people leave the church. There are people who left the church, and I'm looking at more from the other side, who solely left the church because their church went wild with COVID. Like, we're not going to mask, we're not going to socially distance, we're not going to do this and that. And it just blows my mind that you're willing to lose people because you think you're doing what honors God. I had two buddies here in the valley at two different churches. They're my friends. One's dad's a pastor, the other one works at his church. And both of them, how they ran their church during the pandemic, so during in the sanctuary, you can sit in the sanctuary. You don't have to wear a mask. You can wear one if you want. We don't care. No one on the stage, no one leadership is going to wear a mask. But we also have a separate room where you can watch the service, and that's only for people who wear masks. So, you know, like, if you right. feel more comfortable, you can just do that. I'm like, way to, like, just segregate right. your church. <laughs> it just seems so silly to me right. to, oh, we got a little room over here for the 15 to 20 of you that just want to wear your mask. And it's like, what are we doing here? We're creating some form of separation within the church. We're creating separation from the world when you see people look like, look at us say, these guys are being babies. Like, are you kidding me? You can't just follow some simple laws. Now, they don't understand our Christian morals and ethics and what could be at stake if it goes far enough. But the idea that one little thing happens to us and we're complaining already. And it's creating separate, the church has separated people from the church itself just based off how we've done uh, COVID. Right. Well, on the flip side of the coin is at least they were trying. Like at least right. they didn't yeah. just close up and shut <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah, that, that is and at least true. they gave some thought to, well, some want to wear masks, some don't. You may put it in the category of just a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It was such a hard time. And when the government suspends your First Amendment right, freedom of speech, right to assemble, those yeah. are, I mean, that's probably the highest American ideal and right, right is the right to freely assemble. And when they take that away, we need to make sure that it's for a good reason. And in a state of emergency, you can say, okay, it's for a good reason, especially in the beginning when they said this could have a 10% lethality. You know, and we didn't know, you know, nobody knew Mm -hmm. how lethal this would be. Okay, I get it. And then when we start to see and learn more and how to deal with it, we should get those rights back. But to be pushing that edge of, we need to make sure we get these rights back. You know, we don't surrender so quickly that we never get the right back. And we don't blow through those lines so badly that we we tarnish the name of Christ. To be kind of pushing that limit while being respectful is a tightrope walk. Yeah, I just feel like you got to be careful because if you do, yeah, we should meet. But if you do too much of breaking the rules, then who's to say down the line they use more force because so many churches just didn't care. If we did it respectfully the whole time, met in church, but we did it by their guidelines, I mean, it, it, like you said, it, it's, you could, I could go either way. But you see people trying to lock down the church, but the church had been maybe cooperating. Because well, there are so many ways we could still have church. And it doesn't necessarily have to be scrunched together with our mask off, singing real loud. Right. We can still have church. I mean, you look at people in third world countries where they meet in houses quietly with scripture that's kind of woven together in coats so no one knows they actually have scripture so they don't get beheaded or, or hurt and they're quietly 
having church together, yet we're complaining that the government's telling us you need to be six feet apart and you can only have 20%. You know, in, in third world countries, they look at it and be like, we're already, we're already a very small group hidden away. You know, we're already, you know, they see Christians in America complaining about something that's 100 times worse for them every day, even before the pandemic. Right, but we need to keep those rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Before our church, for the record, did we did shut down in the beginning when they said everyone has to shut down. Right. We didn't know how dangerous this was going to be, how widespread it was going to be. And then when they gave the slightest indication that we could open up, we opened up outside, uh, spread out. We bought huge circus tents, and it's 110 degrees. I mean, in the desert here, there were days where people were freezing cold. Uh, we rolled out heaters the best we could, and people yeah. were all bundled up in the cold desert nights. Uh, early Sunday mornings, and then when the summer rolled around, we were baking in the sun and the heat and sweating it out. Uh, but we really, we preached, hey, character for Christ. You know, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes it's not convenient, but we met outside, we spread right. out. And I'm proud of how our church handled it and many churches that did similar. What are your thoughts, Noah? Yeah, well, I wanted to speak a bit to um, what Mark was saying about the the disconnect, the separation that formed for a lot of people. Um, I, I pulled up some stats from Barna. I love Barna. Barna, honestly, they're, they're I the quote, place to go. I use their stats a lot. They're so good. <laughs> they are and the place and to go. I believe they're neutral too, so yeah. I love them. Um, and, and they had some stats over like the last year of COVID and how churches have fared. And they said that roughly 30% of churchgoers had stopped attending church over the past year, with another 30 or so percent switching churches and then the rest staying at their same church. And when they broke down some of those numbers... They, they asked some of these people like what type of support they needed from their church. And, and I want to read the numbers because I think that kind of ties into this idea of separation. So the first category of what people said they needed was connection and community um, with roughly the same numbers between the three different groups. The next was a Bible-centered message of hope and encouragement. But this is the one that had the most percentage of people. 68% of people who switched churches said it was for this reason uh, 40% of people who stopped attending church said it was for this reason, that they needed more prayer and emotional support. And I think kind of building off of what you said, I think one of my reasons or one of my things that the church didn't do well was they didn't provide enough support for people who were not no longer in a physical building. You know, Whether it was creating separation because there was no church body to go to or for some other reason, I think that over the past year the church has just really had a hard time staying connected to people and, you know, giving people the support that they would get from a regular service or a prayer service or things like that. And, you know, I, I think it's gotten better as churches have opened up. And, you know, our church, for example, we do um, our prayer services, we live stream them so people can still get prayer and can still connect in that way. But for a lot of churches, they didn't do that. They just did their service and that was it. Or they closed entirely, or even if they stayed open, they failed to have a personal connection with people and keep them in. Or they just did a video once a week. Right, they did their video and that was it. And so it kind of builds off of what you said, that the church created separation, whether physically or otherwise, created separation because of COVID and because of this. And I think for a lot of people, that either was too much or it created an excuse to just stop going altogether. You know, because there was nobody to keep them accountable, nobody to check in on them, nobody to say, hey, we haven't seen you in a a month. How are they going to know if you're just watching videos online, right? There's no way to tell who's watching, who isn't. And so I think that this is an area where the church really struggled over the past year was keeping that connection with people and keeping people 
involved in the church in some capacity. But on the flip side of that coin, our church went, and I'm sure there are a lot like it, right. went from almost no online presence, yeah. you know, no yeah. social media presence. I mean, it was there, but it was very, very little. Uh, you know, our sermons were posted before COVID, but then when COVID hit, it got to promise and prayer videos and of encouragement yeah. every single day. Yeah, we yeah. quickly adapted our Instagram and our Facebook, and we got sermons going. We got all kinds of uh, live streams going. We couldn't do any of that before, but we were forced <laughs> to adapt, right. and we quickly grabbed the people who had those abilities to do it. Fortunately, we had them in the building, and we made it happen. Now, some churches don't have the people with the knowledge in the building. They don't have the technology, but I think there are some churches who said, that, you know, you're pressed and you're shaken, and what came out of it was more strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the that's the good side. Is even right. when COVID's ending, or even ten years from now, we're going to continue in all of those ways of connection. But there really is no substitute. This sounds cheesy. <laughs> There's no substitute for a hug. Mm. Like, I know when when my world mm. collapsed and things, my life was upside down. I I literally thought to myself, I can't wait to go to church on Sunday and get a hug from this guy, Pastor Chris. I was like, right. he's going to give me the bro hug, and I, I need that. <laughs> like, it's, it was crazy. I'm, I'm not that guy. Yeah. But when everything was upside down, I went to church that Sunday. It was up in the Pacific Northwest, and Pastor Chris was like, what's up, bro? And he didn't know what was going on in my life. He gave me, like, the bro handshake, the pull-in bro hug. And yeah. I was like, I just through my just, whole body yeah. was like, yeah. that's what I need. And there's no substitute for that. And that's why gathering together, part of it is so so important. Mark, you got like 18 jokes for me. I can see it. No, no, no. I, I was just about to say that. It's not just our whole family. We we don't hug. No, but there's <laughs> that time when you're in pain, it really yeah. is crazy. Yeah, yeah. How that, much a physical handshake, a hug. That Yeah, that emotional can, support. Even without support. a word or them yeah. even knowing. And when mm-hmm. all that's gone for a year, right? and people are already emotionally fragile, you know, like they struggle with things, they're just going to fall yeah, through yeah. the ice. Right. Uh, but then others, we know, because of the shakeup, they got their priorities straight. They say, well, mm-hmm. everything I thought about the world is now upside down. I, I better find about the, about God. or mm-hmm. it's like uh, a, So, I don't know, God yeah. will use it. I it's like, um, what's that saying? Um, you don't know what you have till it's gone. Type yeah. Of thing. All yeah. of a sudden, church is gone. You realize, wow, I really need wow. this. Or I, I need it twice a year. Yeah, I really. <laughs> so we got one right. more, and then we got four of what they did do right, but we've mentioned a lot of them. So the four sounds like a lot, but they'll go pretty quick. Yeah. Because this guy keeps saying I'm either side. <laughs> I get the flip side. Of the so the last one. <laughs> glass half full guy. What can I say? This last one. I don't know. You, you, you might disagree with me on this one. Uh, the church during the pandemic, one thing they got wrong, I feel like, is they became. I thought someone was coming in. No, it's a ghost. I thought it was a boogeyman. Maybe it's the Holy Ghost. Yeah. No. Someone's trying to stop me from saying this. Not be censored. That's why what stop. that paper says. Don't say this. Bart, <laughs> says. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one thing the church, I feel like, did wrong during the pandemic is they became too patriotic, too political. Oh, I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, I'm conservative with libertarian leanings. That during the pandemic, churches, you know, they made Trump anti-vaccination, anti-lockdown as big as a priority as they did actually calling people, reaching out to people. They claim allegiance to God while praying Trump gets reelected. I've seen things where prophets, famous, not famous, but like, Pretty big speakers who consider themselves prophets prophesied that Trump was going to be reelected, and then later go out and say, "Hey, I'm sorry. I don't yeah. know what happened. I'm human." But you know, and or they say he's he's still alive. He, he can still run. He can right. still run the next one. Um, which yeah. side point? I don't think he should run again. I think he should support whoever comes up. But and then they pray against the evil spirits of our government. I've heard people say that. Like, I'm not saying everyone government's good because there's a lot of corruption on both sides. I think as I grow older, I used to think. Conservatives are good, liberals are bad. I think there's clowns on both sides. Um, 
But the church, uh, politics of our country shaped the church during the pandemic more than the church should have shaped the pandemic and how we reach people. Church during the pandemic has become more patriotic and less holy. We focus more on the traits of our political party than the traits of Jesus. Mm. And I, I got scripture here, uh, Romans 13, 1-2. A lot of us know it. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. And one thing I was reading up on on my, on my break today at work, um, Paul was writing this during the reign of the Roman Empire. There was no democracy, and there were no special friends to Christians. Yet he still saw their legitimate they authority. They executed him. Yeah. I was going to say, the same yeah. government that killed mm-hmm. Jesus, too. And, and, and that's my next one. <laughs> yeah. Even our Savior suffered under Pontius yeah. Pilate, one of the worst Roman governors Judea ever had, and Paul under Nero, the worst Roman Empire. And neither Jesus our Lord nor the, his apostle denied right. the authority. You know, churches say are claiming persecution. Just go to, like I mentioned, go to a third world country before even the pandemic. Or once it opens up, you might not even be able to find Christians. Not because they're not there, but because they're in hiding because it's an underground church. Because they even own a Bible. Well, it's, and you know. the, the flip side of that is you fight for those rights so that you don't become that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because right. if you just let it slide, let it slide, let it slide. Yeah. And your point of we got too political is probably true but also a gross overstatement you know there were probably a lot of churches that didn't get political oh, just course. said hey i'm staying out of this and we say oh they got political supporting trump a lot of churches got political supporting biden biden and, and, black and I, lives I, matter i would go both ways and too, they, yeah. but here's the thing they jumped on black lives matter then you find out it's really all about removing fathers from the household and mm-hmm. taking toxic men out of society on their website it legitimately the number says one thing for a long time on their website, the number one pillar, their number one goal was destruction of the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. They took it off when it became wildly unpopular. But for months into that movement, number one goal, destruction of the nuclear family. And you have churches jumping in behind that. Not to say anything about uh, racial justice or anything like that, but only to say they threw in behind a movement. And that movement was is very, very toxic and anti-God. Mm-hmm. They're Marxists. Uh, they're atheists. And same with like throwing behind any politician. You wait right. long enough, and they're going to show their true colors. And they're typically and they're a bunch of not clowns. something you would agree with. <laughs> and so I think, by and large, we vote our conscience. We vote things like abortion. You can vote for things like uh, freedom. But to throw all your weight behind a political party or candidate mm-hmm. as a church is really uncomfortable for me. And I saw that Like you said, pandemic. we follow Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I've we follow se- Jesus. I've seen people... In churches, because now that there is technology with churches now, I would see them saying things. We pray our prayers. We need to get make sure Trump gets reelected. And this and that. I'm like, I love how our churches says we're just gonna pray, you know, for our country. And yeah, that might be general. That might be in general, but we're not praying Biden gets in or Trump gets in or, or you know, the first time around when my boy Mike Huckabee was running that he gets in, you know, uh, or Ben Carson, <laughs> you know, we want or your libertarian candidate had no chance, you know, like we weren't picking a specific person right and i think churches especially during the pandemic got so political on the right and the left about right. Uh, and they used the pandemic as a, as a political platform to get their message across last time i checked getting your party in office doesn't bring people closer to god and, right. it, it, and they might conservatives might put in some leg, legislation that that stops abortion or things that are good but ultimately, they're not your political party and getting them in office doesn't bring people close to God. It's you as a Christian reaching out to people. It's God doing what God does through His Word and through the, 
through the church and his servants doing what they're called to do. That's what brings people closer to God. Not your political party, not the Trump train, not not the grumpy Joe Biden train. The Biden bus. The Biden bus. The Trump train. train. The Biden bus. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as I remember this video I saw on YouTube where it had like a, it was a compilation of all of these different preachers that prophesied Trump was going to win. And then it was their follow-up videos where they say, where they're apologizing for being wrong. Um, I think it was the, the spiritual advisor for Trump who said that angels were coming up from South America and Africa to influence the election, and then Trump loses. And it's just like, you see that you look like you're about it, to... It was, well, I'm trying to think of her name. Was it Paula... Something. The Paula spiritual White. advisor. She's the, a lady. The, She's yeah. on the spiritual Paula White. Team. That's what... Yeah, Paula White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just like all these preachers that prophesied he was going to win, and then he doesn't, and it just makes them look foolish for it. And it makes um, Christians look yeah. bad. But my, my point to say, though, is that in, in agreeing with kind of what you guys are saying, that there is a place for politics as Christians, right? The Bible talks a great deal about politics. Jesus talks about politics. Paul talks about politics, right? They, they talk about the government <laughs> and its relationship to Christians. So to ignore it, I think, is wrong because— the Bible doesn't ignore it, and <laughs> politics and the government is in every aspect of our life. You know, you can't go a day without interacting with the government in some capacity. So it's important to be involved and be aware, but kind of to sum up what you guys are saying, at the forefront is Jesus and then government, right? If we mix that up in any capacity, then it's going to lead to disaster. And so if we're at, uh, at the pulpit and we preach government first, then Jesus, you can have a problem. You know what I mean? It's, it's God first, and then everything kind of follows. And I think the same is true in our lives. If we're following God and reading the Word and in the Word, then our politics will start to shape around that rather than the other way around. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah. Is, mm -hmm. you, you preach know? godly principles and the Word of God, and all these, as people learn and grow, that'll shape what you know how they right. see po the political world. And, and I'll give it right back to you, but... yeah. Jesus, as much as they did say things like respect the government and stuff, Jesus also dodged and avoided political questions to no end. He's <laughs> That's like, this true. is not That's why true. I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what do you think about giving taxes to Caesar? Whose, whose image is on that? Caesar. Yeah, give it to, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give yeah. to God's what is yeah. God's. And <laughs> the ironic thing is our image, we are made in the image of God. Your very being is God. So right. Jesus, uh, you know, he, you're, everyone's forced to brush shoulders with politics. But he did not put it to the forefront of his ministry in any way, shape, yeah, or form. Yeah. He was all about preaching the kingdom of God. And and you know that reminds me that a lot of the the Jews at the time believed that Jesus was a political person. They believed right. he was going to be the king and he yeah. was going to be the warrior. Mm -hmm. And they were so caught up in the politics of their religion in that sense that they missed the whole point, which was the Messiah. And so I think in, in a different sense today, it's easy to get caught up in the the worldly kings and queens and political figures that are, are quote-unquote saviors like Trump was for many Christians that we miss out on the true saviors and the true change in the world and and you know at the end of the day the you know the government and the government leaders are in the hands of God you know they're <clears throat> excuse me they're there whether we like it or not because of God you know what I mean if, if God didn't want Biden to be president guess what he wouldn't be president you know and, and that's kind of a hard pill to swallow but I think at the end of the day we need to just rely on God and trust God and say, you know what, I can have my political opinions, I can voice them, I can be active in politics, but it's your will at the end of the day, not mine. And, mm -hmm. You know, I think that's what a lot of Christians this past year have forgotten about, is they try too hard to control what's going on with COVID and control 
their circumstances and they forgot to trust God and rely on him. Mm-hmm. You know? That's good. Let's move on to yeah. the, <clears throat> the four and Matt kind of stole some of them. So <laughs> some things I felt the church is really good and that we should continue to do. First one I put is technology. Live stream presence, YouTube, Zoom, Instagram, updated websites. Mm. Uh, our, my favorite website of all time was our own church website about um, 25 years ago. <laughs> the old church website? Oh, <laughs> I, I do have a potential scam call. Should I answer it on our... Um... Please. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't. Oh, he did it. <laughs> Hello? Hi, my name is Sarah. This is not a sales call. We're just conducting a short survey today. Do you have a few minutes? You're actually on my podcast live right now. I'm recording. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, do you want to do a survey? Um, no, I actually can't. I'm in the middle of my podcast, which you're on live right now. Oh, oh, okay. So it's not part of your podcast to do surveys. No, no. We're, we're not a survey podcast, oh, but thank you, bad. though. My bad. Okay, okay. No worries. Have a good day. Have Bye-bye. A good day. That was funny. Not a sales call. Uh, um, technology. Uh, you Speaking know, of technology. 25 years ago, our church website was pretty good. I respect this man. I believe it was your father-in-law who, who helped run the website, right? Yeah. And there sure. was pictures of my brother who was, at the time, he was a rapper. We had pictures of that on there. We had the, see if you can finish this for me, if you remember, they had the dancing. Sun, baby. Yeah. It was cactus. Oh, cactus? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a dancing it was back cactus. When the first got up. Yeah, and it was when every website. I think it was uh, hot pink background. Yeah, every website, <laughs> unless you had lots of money, looked like really weird. It was just the background with some pictures and text. We so had it. <laughs> like, every single moving or dancing yeah. emoji on the internet was on our website. It, it, it reminded <laughs> it me of, like the, seizures. of the Simpsons where Homer creates a website as yes, Mr. X. All kinds of noises. Dancing Jesus and a toaster yeah, and a bunch of... Just stop. Like, just stop. They're going to like it. People are going to like this. Yeah. yeah. That was it. So, yeah, we did move forward in technology big time. <laughs> big time. Even like, uh, for instance, we didn't have much of a YouTube presence. Our, our most viewed video at the time was your message. The, you know which one I'm talking about? Yes, but it's only because... The name of the sermon was the name of also a book, and yeah, my, right. my my name is very similar to that names of that author. Well, and it was during so your people would click on it for two seconds and see, oh, this isn't the guy <laughs> I thought it was. And it was during your blazer and t-shirt phase. And, it was a good phase. And it was during BBS. The BBS. Yeah, so you had the BBS background. Well, and then the, and then the next like I think three out of the next five were like guest speakers. So. Right. Yeah, because they would share it with their friends. It was like. 30 views. I think yeah, the next yeah. one of ours is the Crimson War. Yeah, yours <laughs> was like the Crimson Yours was like 3,000 something, and then yeah. a couple hundred, couple hundred coming up, then it was like 40, 30, 40. Yeah, most of them wouldn't get out of the 20s or 30s. Yeah, um, and now we and just. The background was a disaster. I mean, it was like. It just like this pink the lighting. lighting. Was bad. Yeah, yeah, orange or pink. Yeah. But yeah. now we got it. Orange man bad. Now we got it. Orange man bad. And it was like, now we've updated how many churches, out of curiosity, I've looked at different friends' churches. And they live stream, or they Facebook live, or they Instagram right. live. You know, um, they did these things. And how many more people did they reach? How many people who they have a church home, but they can't always come because of work? But now they can watch it. You know, on the weeks they miss, they can watch it. You know, online. You know, we, yeah, we want to meet in person. But people who are sick, or people like our prayer service. We live stream our prayer service for the snowbirds or the people who have kids and they can't always come at night. Now they can be a part of the service, not just on Saturdays or Sundays, but they can come on Wednesdays and type in their prayer request. Right. And they right. can... I mean, my, my aunt on the west or east coast, 
is a part of the live streams. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's something she would never have been able to be a part of, obviously. Well, and your parents in laws. And the time yeah, difference is crazy. Us, Theirs um, is like, yeah. what, a 7 or 8 a.m. or something <laughs> like, like that. Pastor Mark says, if you have a prayer request, write it in the chat room. Yeah, yeah. Write it in the chat room. <laughs> yeah. Not in the and comments. They do. Go, yeah, to, yeah. go to a chat room. <laughs> or, or he'll say, or you can email your prayer request at mark at vsachurch.com. So let's sign off our YouTube, go sign email. in our email, send you an email for a prayer request. We're still adapting. Yeah. We're still moving. Sign, <laughs> sign off our email, sign back on the YouTube, <laughs> and then have someone go check the email to make sure that they got they got it. We still got a few steps. <laughs> yeah, but technology. I think we can all agree. Yes, yes, church yes. is something good. Well, the one that's similar. Second one is getting creative. I think the church got very creative um, during this time. Like we met outside. Right. We we said we're still going to meet, but we wanted to follow um, guidelines. So we still met, but we had this middle ground. We met outside, and there were times where it was cold, very cold. And there was even a very night hot. where where it rained, and yeah. that was when the youth. You youth played too that night. Uh, well, there was one night where it rained very badly, and, and we didn't, we didn't have it. But there was one where we we put all the tents closed together. Well, we still had it. we had it every yeah. time I think. And and you had I remember calling on drums. Shekinah was on guitar. Oh, you're right, you're right. And That's Danielle did one, and Lexi was singing. And there's another youth, maybe Cruz's daughter was singing yep. or playing some. And it was like in the rain. We still had it. And then even when it was getting close to 100, we met outside. Yeah, um, over, we, well over 100, we were mm-hmm. outside. Yeah. And we, well, me, Noah. Uh, we went on a little a boys trip. Me, Noah, Terrence. Men's trip. Yeah, men's trip. <laughs> there you go. Went to San Diego. Went to this church on a Sunday when we were out there. They were meeting in a middle school. Well, since COVID, that middle school closed. And I've always just kept up with them because I, I like the service. They've been meeting in a park and they put up tents, all this stuff. They rent out just a small piece of the park. And it's still, it's pretty hot. I mean, I don't know what it is in San Diego. It's still but hot. <laughs> still hot. And yet they're meeting. I see, I don't watch the whole video, but I'll see clips like they're still meeting every week i mean they're doing what they gotta do but they're being creative our church we had christmas eve service outside with candles my pops who's head pastor said he wants to continue that tradition where we have christmas eve service outside and he said and i don't know much about this because i'm a youngin but he said next year we're going to do like roast chestnuts and all this (laughs) stuff that that older people like doing and it's going to be this big old thing and we're getting creative and we're leaving once COVID hopefully is behind us, we're going to take some of these create, creative things we've done, and we're going to we're going to keep using them. Right. We have a green screen at our church. We do promise and prayers. We we, we first two did, green screens, two oh. green screens, <laughs> and we did we've been do, we did videos not just green screens, but we went into the the desert. We went into cool different yeah. places. I mean, we did so many different things that our church would have never done in a thousand years. And there are churches out there who are getting creative and are reaching more people because of that creativity. And then the last one was when I lived in L.A., Dream Center, um, where they would do you know food drives and things like that. Well, Pandemic tried to shut that down, but then they just right. did a drive-through uh, food drive where you pick up groceries, and they did it almost every day straight. And then they even did a – they had an after-school program, but because of COVID, they weren't allowing it inside. So they, on their rooftop, they had a bunch of desks and a bunch of tents, and they socially distanced, and they still did their after-school tutoring for kids, for the – at-risk kids and, and the homeless youth and giving them snacks and, and all this stuff, and they got creative with it. Right. I think, I truly believe that these two that are similar, technology, which sometimes can be really bad, we used it for our good, and the church got creative with all of that. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with everything you said, uh, but what I want to add is kind of like, where do we take it from here? Because, you know, for example, Zoom. You guys know when Zoom was made? 
I don't know when it was made. Mark, you probably don't know. I didn't 2011? know. 2011? Yeah, 2011. Ooh, oh, Zoom's wow. been around for like eight years. I promise you guys, I totally guessed that. No, nice. That's, you're right. But it's been around for like, what, eight, nine years, and now all of a sudden it's a thing. Well, that would be right? ten years. Ten Go years. Ahead. Yeah, yeah, now. <laughs> See, like, where, and, where have we been this whole right, time? Right, and, and that's kind of my point. Is like, where have we been? Because, like, for example, my family, we occasionally like once a month or so we'll do a zoom call our whole family right me my brothers and i remember thinking to myself like how come we didn't do this before covid nothing's changed we're still not any closer to each other physically right but now all of a sudden we're using this technology that's been around for 10 years to talk to each other and same with live streaming like live streaming on youtube has been around as long as almost youtube has like it's been around for years and years and we just now are using it and it's like, how come we never did these things before? And it took a pandemic to get the church to adapt in such a dramatic way. And I, I agree with everything you said, Mark, and it's good to see these things. But I encourage at least us and, and the people listening in their home churches to continue that adaptation and that creation to not grow stagnant because the need is no longer there. And I think that's the problem. If we were doing these live streams and we were on it, a year before we wouldn't have ran into so many problems that we did. I mean, we had such a headache getting the camera set up, getting it, you know, to, to actually stream to YouTube. And then we have, we're still a year later trying to fix issues with the live stream and get it to, to be better. And it's like, this is stuff that we could have dealt with a long time ago, but we just now are getting to it. And if we lose the need for the live stream, then all of a sudden it falls to the wayside. We don't do it anymore. We don't improve it. And and so my point to say is that as good as it has been, we need to not allow it to become just whatever and go back to the same old, same old routines and still maintain that adaptation and that creativity that we've experienced so much of this past year. Because mm-hmm. this stuff is there, you know what I mean? It's not like YouTube live streaming and Zoom and all these things were a brand new thing. It's been there. The tools are there. We just need to take it and use it and continue mm-hmm. to be adaptive and creative. Yeah. Know? Yeah, uh, and the Zoom stuff is good. Uh, the The one concern I do have is Bible studies that switch to Zoom. Right. <laughs> as soon as it's yeah. healthy and allowed, should yeah. switch back to in person. I think using yeah, I agree with you there yeah. for cross lines, state yeah. lines, cross. You know, when you're yeah. connecting to people who are too physically far. But the thing with continuing with only like Zoom, like. Right is it's not yeah. friendly to new people. Like, yeah. a new person's not going to jump on a Zoom call with <laughs> 10 people they don't know. Yeah, they yeah, might come there. to an in-person ladies' Bible study or men's Bible study. Yeah. You know, but, so I think, but everything you said, Noah, yeah, I, I, agree, I, I agree totally, there. Yeah. I totally agree. We got two more, and they're both, uh, I'm going to say it real quick. Real quick. We got, and then we got scripture, and then we'll, closing thoughts, we're done. Um, next one, church as well, at least our church did, is during the pandemic, we got more personal. How many people, like my dad, would go into his office after work, and he'd be on the phone with people. Oh, what'd you do today? Oh, well, I've been calling people in the church, before, like, while we couldn't meet for a while. I've just been calling people, seeing how they're doing. I'm sure you might have done that. Mike Alejo, shout out to the guy who didn't respond to our text. <laughs> um, you know, they, we called, I remember texting people. I still do this all the time, even before. Like, hey, how's it going? Or, hey, haven't heard from you in a while. Even just friends. Hey, how's life? And I think the church made a good um, point to just call or text people to see how they're doing <clears throat> even if it's not like they're in the hospital or anything just during the pandemic and i my dad would tell me how many people are just thankful like you know oh i'm doing good but thank you for calling it really means a lot to check in you know i think the church made it more personal during the pandemic and it thinks that a pandemic had to happen to have that 
But I think better connections in the right church, better connections were made through the pandemic because people actually talked to each other more. If your church leadership cared, they got a hold of other people. Hey, how's it going? Hey, how's life? Hey, I want you to know our church is praying for you. Not just words, but I know our church for sure legitimately is praying for you. And I think just doing that phone call, and this is something you can continue to do if you're hearing this. Go through your phone. Say, hey, God, show me someone. And just send them a text. Hey, how's it going? How's life? Or call them if that's your thing. Hey, how's it going? How's life? No reason behind this text. Just thought of you. Just wanted to see how you're doing. Blah, blah, blah. I do that all the time with people. And I have friends who get annoyed. Like, dude, you hit me up every week. I'm like, because I just want to, like, I just, that connection. And they know there are times when they're not messing around. And they'll be like, hey, man, I'm really going to this. And because I'm hitting them up every so often, they're willing to be open with me about that stuff. So, I mean, the church has made it personal in a good way. And I'm, I'm glad our church does that. And you personally, everyone in here listening, you can do that too. Send a text out to someone. You don't know what someone's going through. Suicide rates, depression rates, all these different things are going through the roof because of the pandemic. And just saying, how's your day going? Or, hey, what's up? You know, during, the, during, the, during these times can really change someone's life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that if I had to guess as to why that is, I think it's because you're no longer seeing people every weekend, right? I mean, maybe, maybe now not so much, but at the time, yeah. you weren't seeing somebody every weekend, so you actually had to take those steps to reach out to mm-hmm. them rather than just like, oh, I'll see them Sunday, shake their hand, say hi, and then move on. You know what I mean? It forced you to be more active in your connection. And again, kind of like what I said before, there is that risk of falling back to the way it was when we start to get back to that routine of seeing people on Sundays, on Wednesdays, and that's it, we can start to lose that need to be more Mm -hmm. connected. And, you know, it is a great thing that has come out of it, but it's something that we have to work at to maintain. We can't just assume that we're going to stay this close to people forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, for me, it was a lot easier when I had the flip phone. I could text without even looking. You hit this three three times to get to A, this and that. It was easy. Now it's like... Every text I have with you guys, you could probably point out every every bad like grammar error. But you guys, with me, you just know what I mean by by now. But we still, still make fun of you. For yeah, it. still make fun of you. <laughs> Last one I have, and we'll get our thoughts. Uh, the one thing I think the church did, and real quick, I think I've only said it three times, doing good. Um, real quick on the flip is the side. church did good <laughs> with more prayer. Mm. I think lots of churches they do a midweek service, this and that. Our church is midweek prayer. But I think there are lots of churches who added more prayer to their church services. And when they couldn't meet, they met online with church prayer. I know a church that I follow um, from New York. And during, the, at least I caught it during the pandemic. Four days a week from noon to 1 p.m., um, they have a prayer service in their church now. Um, in the heart of New York. And they socially distance. They follow those protocols, whatever the protocols are in New York. But four days a week, not counting their weekend services, they have prayer and they weren't doing that before the pandemic so i think there are churches many just like them who've added prayer to their service or added come service at 10 but come at 9 15 for prayer time beforehand there are people who are starting to take prayer more serious church so yeah we we are strong in prayer yet nowhere in their in their service itinerary is there you know a service for prayer throughout the week but we'll be praying for you but do you have a service where people come together and pray and churches are starting to add that? And I think that is one of the most important things the church has gotten right is more prayer. Because it you see more miracles when people come together and pray. Yeah. Um, I, I had something similar. I said that 
one thing the church did well is that they've learned to rely and trust on God more. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of in the similar vein. I think that, you know, if anything, this has showed us that, you know, we aren't in control of everything and we can't do everything. And there's things that come around like a virus that we just can't fight. You know what I mean? And I think that this has shown us to take a step back and say, you know what, this is out of my control. You know, what the government tells us to do is out of my control. What, you know, what happens with this virus is out of my control, but I'm going to continue to trust in you. I mean, for example, at least with our church, you know, there was a serious concern about things like tithes, for example. You know, how are we going to maintain our our bottom line and cover our costs if nobody's in the building to tithe and, and give offerings? You know what I mean? And and stuff like that but instead of getting focused on that and caught up on that and worried about that we just said you know what god we're going to trust you and our costs were met you know what i mean at no point during the last year were we in the negatives or running long money and i don't say that to be like look at us but i'm just saying like we we took a step back and said we're going to trust you god you know when we were told to close our doors we didn't freak out we didn't panic we said you know what we're going to listen and we're going to trust god to show us the next step and we came up with new ideas, we did new things, and we grew. We, we, I think we came out better for it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just speaking for our church, but I'm sure this is true of many others. And you see some churches that didn't trust on God, yeah. some that didn't, and a lot of churches unfortunately closed over the last year. And I can't speak for all of them, but I assume some of them closed because they lost their trust in God. And so speaking to what you're saying, it's important to keep praying, and I think that's something that a lot of churches did is they learned to pray or, I mean, not learned to pray, but began to pray more and they began mm-hmm. to trust God more, rely on him more because they kind of had to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And often that's when we do trust God more is when we have to, is mm-hmm. when we're in those hard spots is when we learn to rely on him more. And I think that's what COVID kind of did for the church. Yeah, you know? I final, agree. Final thoughts, man? Final thoughts. Uh, I think we saw who built on the rock and who built on the sand. You know, churches yeah. and yeah. individuals who built their life on the rock stood through this and fought it out, even if you lost jobs or what have you. Uh, if you built your, your life on social justice, if you built it on a political party, if you built it on just general comforts uh, of church, oh, I like this church, they have cool music. Uh, you know, <laughs> things probably right. were really difficult and right. you might have fallen off. Um, are you willing to follow when it's inconvenient is a big question that was answered for a lot of people. We preach that big time. Hey, like Mark, you've said a million times, people in other countries and where they're shutting down Christianity, they got to meet when it's inconvenient. And we had to do that here in America, just a little bit, a little just taste of what taste, inconvenience yeah. looks like. Yeah. And you saw people jumping off the train like, oh, I can't do this. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too early. Oh, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but then others were so desperate. And people, we had people in the neighborhood say, we heard your worship. And we just needed something, and so we showed up, like because mm-hmm. we were outside. And lastly, that's the last part: is the church went outside the building. A lot of churches, <laughs> literally, outside the four walls, went yeah. outside the four walls into parking lots, into parks, and because of that, into the community, people who hadn't heard, hadn't seen, weren't willing to step in a building, drove by and saw worship. They saw people who look a lot like them, guys in jeans and t-shirts, lifting their hands to worship. They saw. Okay, maybe I maybe that is for me. They they heard the message from their their houses, right. and taking church outside the building literally, I think, was a very healthy thing. For, yeah, for, yeah, for the church. Any last thoughts before I close this now? No, I, I like that last point that taking it outside the building is something I don't think churches do enough is get outside of their own walls mm-hmm. um, as individuals and as congregations. So I do think that's one other 
good thing that the church did that we didn't mention was get outside of itself. My last thoughts, Colossians 3.23. I love the New Living Translation. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Mm. I think during this time, during this pandemic, we need to remember we do it for God, we work for God, and we need to give it all we got for God. And when I see church complaining, grumbling about what's going on, are you doing this? Are you truly doing this for God? Because if we are, then we're going to do, we're going to do it as if we're working for the Lord. Philippians two fourteen to fifteen. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Mm. Um, and there's other verses that say whatever's in front of you, work at it with all your heart. So right. during this pandemic, did your church did you work at reaching people and going about it in a way that was with all your heart? The darker the room, the the more light you will need. In this time, during this pandemic, when it makes sense for us to shine our lights even brighter during these dark times, in this dark season. And so I encourage you, my final thought, call someone, text someone, you know, let them know you care, let them know you love them. If they need anything, uh, maybe there's people still at home who are a little afraid to go out. Hey, can I pick up groceries for you? Hey, can I pick up lunch for you or dinner for you? Can I just drop this off for you? Be there for someone. Invite someone to church if they're, if they're willing to come. Um, especially if you're going to a good church that that um, isn't going to scare people away, but is truly following God and in and, and love for Him. So that's it, guys. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank uh, Matt from We Carry the Fire podcast that's for right. showing up. I'd like to thank the potential spammer who showed up. <laughs> um, they were great. And thank you all for listening. This is the Brokenness to Faith podcast. Deuces. Peace. Deuces.